Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And what's up? Welcome in. Wednesday edition. It is GC Live. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Got a great show lined up for you here today. Going to be joined here shortly, we do believe, by former Gamecock Jason Barnes, who is going to talk to us, Chris, I believe, about a little bit of everything. Uh, his, his time at South Carolina, maybe we'll get into a little bit of his recruiting process back in the day. And now Jason here locally involved with a little bit of everything, uh, helping out coaching over at Dutch Fork, um, has some obviously some really good wide receivers over there. We've talked about one of them, um, Antonio Williams, here recently quite a bit on the show. Um, is involved with with seven on seven. Is involved with uh, I think helping out develop some receivers on the side as well with his training. So uh, lots going on for Jason. So glad to have him on. He's gonna be joining us here shortly. Uh, shout out to everybody who's already in the chat. What's up? Uh, hope y'all are doing well today. A noon kickoff, little afternoon kickoff for us here on GC Live and GC Live. Before we move on, I've got to tell everybody we are of course brought to you as always by our good buddy Clint Hammond. He's over there with the Mortgage Network right across from Jura High School here in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're looking to refinance, looking to purchase a home, uh, looking to purchase a first home, maybe maybe you want to step up and, and be one of these move-up buyers who uh, you know has maybe been in a house for, for five, ten years, got some equity built up, and now you want to move up. Give Clint a call no matter what your situation. He can find something that matches what you're looking for. ClintHammond.com or 803-771-6933. Clint, a huge supporter of the Gamecocks and of Gamecock Central and, of course, of GC Live. So, uh, again, we'll be joined shortly, we hope, we believe, by Jason Barnes. Um, Chris, uh, no background yet, but you do look uh, you look like you're ready for St. Patrick's Day. So it is uh, it is March now. you got your green on. And uh, that that is one of my favorite holidays because it's my favorite month. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned St. Patrick's Day. There is a relation of why I'm wearing this very, very, very green shirt um, this morning I was actually dressed like a leprechaun. Um, I was a, a mystery reader for my daughter's class. And so we were on screen and my wife and I read them a book that was about a leprechaun or a pot of gold and had a lot of Irish stuff in it. So that is why I'm still very, very green set against a very, very gray background. And so I'm going to keep speaking of mystery. I'll keep everyone in suspense about when I will eventually unveil something other than a gray wall behind me. For now, we're just going to keep it a running joke. Uh, but we're going to have Jason Barnes in about a minute or two, he tells me, Wes. So we will have him on hopefully pretty shortly. Okay, awesome. Uh, i tell you, man, I, I got the chance to see uh, JB coach a little bit at 7-on-7 practice, man. And this guy has a really bright future. I'm not – I'm going to go ahead and say this before he gets on here so I'm not like – you know, basically just kissing his butt. I'm saying this because I firmly believe it. Um, watching him interact with the kids, um, just you know, just because you've played a sport at the college level, 
doesn't mean you can coach it or teach it. You know, there are very different characteristics that are involved that it takes to be successful at those two different things. And Jason Barnes is a guy who obviously played college football, but also watching him interact with the kids um, is a very good technician from what I've seen as far as coaching the technique of playing that position. But I would say even more importantly, Chris, really good at connecting with the kids, letting them know that he cares. Um, He's got a personality about him where he's sort of the best coaches to me, especially among the sort of young up and coming crop of guys we have uh, in this area that I've seen, they can be friends with the kids. They can uh, let the kids know they care, but they also can turn it on and let them know when they need to pick it up, let them know when they have to sort of uh, crack down a little bit as well. So uh, Jason has all those things and I'm, I'm excited to hear from him here shortly. Yeah, man, he, he's definitely a good one. And, um, you know, the, the thing that's going to be interesting to me, and, and I'll say this too before he comes on, so there's not a, an awkward alert, but maybe we can get into it a little bit with him, just get some generalized thoughts on, you know, the NCAA passing some rules a while back that they're apparently going to change now. And uh, we don't know what those changes are going to be, but basically the individual associated with prospect rules. So it, it's made it harder for high school coaches and trainers to break into college football without getting an on-field job. And for a lot of guys, they started off the field. And so there are a lot of guys that are former high school coaches that um, have maybe found it a little bit tougher to break in unless it's an an on-field position. And so um, we'll see how that changes and how that's affected. But certainly I think Jason's a a guy who's going to have a chance um, to break into a college football role in some form or fashion at some point. All right, I see him down there. Uh, Jason, I can see you. Give, give me a thumbs up if you're ready to roll, man. I'll, I'll bring you on and, and make you live. He is good to go. Um, it's our boy, Coach JB. Um, Jason, I, I've seen a lot of you here lately, man, coming out to your 7-on-7. Seven seven. I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate the time today. Um, first of all, how how's everything going, man? I, I'm glad you had a little bit of time to join us here today. Uh, everything's going good, man. I'm in good spirits. Uh I'm 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 doing uh seven on seven with train to go right now. Happy to be doing that. Uh trying to raise money for uh our next tournament right now with a GoFundMe. So I'm I'm knees deep in that and working at Sword Next and on lunch break right now. How you guys doing? We're 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 great, man. And and I wanna go ahead and let you hit on that before I forget because we're gonna get into you know, obviously multiple topics. So tell everybody I I caught the end when you were telling your kids on Saturday about the GoFundMe and how y'all are trying to raise some money. So maybe we got some listeners who uh, want to chip in, want to help out. Tell everybody a little bit about first of all the seven on seven and how they could find the GoFundMe and where their proceeds would be going if they can chip in and help you guys out. Oh uh, well, we 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 got we got a great group of, group of kids and a great group of coaches. Uh, we, so we went to our first tournament last weekend in Myrtle Beach, and we did really well. But uh, we, we're playing against a lot of guys, a lot of organizations that's doing things right. Uh, they're traveling down together. They're staying together. They're meeting the night before. They're making sure the guys are being fed before getting to the field. They're making sure guys are going to sleep on time and waking up on time, all those little things. Um, we were unable to do that last weekend, and it, it cost us. it cost us some games. So moving forward, we want to kind of do things a little different, kind of 
do the sprinter van roll or, or lodge the kids in hotels. And then we'd be able to meet with them and kind of eliminate some mistakes that we've seen in pool play before elimination game starts on Sunday. Uh, so we'd be able to feed the kids. We want to do extracurricular things. We had top golf at the beach and we couldn't go just because one, we didn't know where all our kids were at. We didn't have the funds for it. And things like that are great, you know, and we want to take college visits and all those type of things, but we need a little bit more money to do it. So we started to go fund me um, a couple nights ago. Um, I'm not, I have, I have the link. I'm not sure how to tell you to find it other than the link. Us train to go 707 um, has my name all over it. I'm, I'm, I organized it. So maybe if you type in organizer, Jason Barnes, it may be able to come up maybe. Um, on my Twitter, you can find it all over my Twitter and things like that. Um, so any type of donations would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, uh, if y'all want to go, Jason's Twitter is at JLBarnes4. And um, obviously, I think most of you follow me, follow Chris. So um, I'm going to retweet that link as well. So anybody listening, watching that uh, wants to read about it, wants to maybe go help out. Uh, lots of local kids involved. So you're, you're helping out in your community. These are, you know, kids from your community here in the Midlands. So um, great cause there. And uh, you've got, um, you got some talent out there, obviously, man, but uh, you got some really good kids out there from what I've seen. So it would be a great cause for these people to be able to maybe, maybe help these kids out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So Jason, uh, before we, I want to look back at your, own recruiting in your career and then forward to some of the guys that you've had an opportunity to coach as well. But tell me, tell us the listeners, you know, a little bit about just how maybe you got the itch to coach, you know, sort of how you broke into it, what you love about coaching and maybe a little bit of, about your style, which we were discussing before you came on. Uh, I, I, I always knew, I always loved football. Uh, football was always my favorite sport. I was good in, I was good in almost everything I touched. In, in terms of like a ball, anything athletic, I was always pretty good at it. But football is something I grew passionate about at a very early age. So I knew once I finished playing, I still was going to want to be around the game. So once I stopped playing in 2014, I immediately uh, reached out to Coach Knotts for the opportunity because I was in town and he was my old coach. And I know he's going to do the things the right way. And he's going to help me develop as a coach. So he, he gave me the opportunity and just haven't looked back since. Um. I've I've learned a lot through the seven years of coaching at Dutch Fork and coaching with Coach Knotts. He's such a perfectionist and and he's always nitpicky and things like that. So I've finally got to the point in my coaching career, coaching with him, where he doesn't even have to uh, worry about the wide receivers anymore. Uh, the first few years were a little rough. He was in my ear a lot, and uh, I appreciated it. And I still I still do when he gets on me now. One time last last year, uh, this is how nitpicky he is. <laughs> I'm never late to practice, but uh, I'm coming all the way from Soarneck and Lexington all the way to Irmo, and we run, and I run into a traffic jam. And um, practice starts at 4.05, and I, you can see me running down the hill at like 4.15. And uh, as soon as I get to the field, he just starts chewing me out. And all the kids are looking at me because he chews a lot of coaches out, but he, that was his first time chewing me out in a few years. So everybody was a little shocked and surprised. And, but uh, he, he's, he's so tough and – and focusing on small things and such a perfectionist. So I fed off that energy with my receivers. I, I, I want them to be perfect. I, I focus on all the little things and, 
and we, you just see the results on the field when when you focus on all the little things. A lot of coaches work on catching the ball and things like that. I don't really work on catching the ball much. I work on getting open. I want my guys to be wide open. I think when you're wide open, catching the ball is easy. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I, focus, I focus mainly on getting wide open, running different routes, being able to run five different curls. We, we could call a curl route five different times in the game, and you don't – you you want to be able to run it five different ways so that DB can't can't get adjusted to it. So majority of my routes can run each route like five different five different ways, and uh and the film shows the the difference between a Dutch fork wide receiver and a receiver from almost anywhere else. And it just come with us. We we're always working. I spend a lot of time with my guys right now. Me and Elijah. We're uh, Elijah uh, Elijah Spencer. He's going to UNCC uh, in the in the summer. And I'm and me and him work out in the weight room four or five times a week. So that that's just and I'm with Tonio and during seven oh seven practice and I'm with uh I'm with Nick Sal during seven oh seven practice, Jacob Hamilton, spend time with Layton. I, I'm always with my guys. Devin Devin has a collarbone right now, so I can't spend as much time with him as I want, but he's he's about to start running track now, so he he's still working. And and behind my back he sneaks to the field and, and find a way to still catch passes and run routes. So it's not all me. It's kind of we built the culture as, a, as as being a wide receiver at Dutch Fork, and it just made my life easier starting back when I had Bryce Thompson and Bobby Irby and Will Sweeper and Ward Hacklin and Con- Austin Connor. They kind of helped me build this this culture here. Uh, Jamal Aiken, guys like that, the guys that you probably never even heard of. They're, all these guys that I coach now still look up to – all those guys because they 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 made this they started you know what I mean so just all culture based. Again, joined by former Gamecock uh, Jason Barnes, of course, wide receivers coach there at Dutch Fort. Jason, before we bring it forward again, let's go back. Let's go back till uh, you know when you were a player for Coach Knotts and you were going through the recruiting process. You were going through um, many of the same things your guys are going through just day to day in life on the field, off the field. Um, what do you remember looking back um, at this process for you? And uh, what do you remember about sort of being recruited by South Carolina and, and why um, you ended up uh, in Columbia with the Gamecocks, man? Oh, I, I was, a, I was it, it's, it's different from kid to kid. I was the type of kid that didn't really enjoy the recruiting process. Uh, me and Coach Knox talked about it at an early age as, 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 as when I was in like 10th grade. And uh, we talked about how we were going to keep it simple. Um, back then at Independence, we had guys going, receivers going big time almost every year. So I kind of knew my time was coming. I had the size, I had the skill. I believed in myself. He believed in me. So I, we kind of knew it was, it was coming. And he said, we want to keep it simple. Let's, if we, if we get in North Carolina and South Carolina offer, would, would, would that be two potential schools you'd like to go to? Would you, would that be your top two? And I, and I agreed to it. Um, so almost before I even got North Carolina and South Carolina, they were already my top two. <laughs> so uh, when I got all the other schools, I, I, I talked to the coaches and I heard them out and everything. But we, I kept my whole recruiting process very simple. I didn't want to go far away from home. A lot of kids don't, but 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 some kids don't mind. But me, I wanted my parents to be able to come to all my games. And uh, uh, Columbia is what an hour, maybe that away from Charlotte. So. That that definitely was a big reason why I chose South Carolina, and 
And Coach Bunton actually got fired my senior year in uh, high school. It was kind of even until Coach Bunton got fired. And then Bush Davis, he he came to my practice about maybe November. But it was a little late in the recruiting process. I had When Bunton got fired, I started spending a lot of time on the phone and uh, and in person with South Carolina. It was always at the school. And Coach Spurry was sneaking around the weight room and stuff. And asking me, do I play basketball? And I can play basketball in South Carolina. So I had a lot of time to build build relationship with those guys while North Carolina was kind of trying to figure out who was next. So Bush Davis got hired kind of late in the process. He came around, but I had, I had already had my mind made up. South Carolina was right down the street. Uh, you couldn't find anybody in Charlotte to say anything bad about uh, the, the passing offense at South Carolina at that time and co- how Coach Spurry likes to sling it around. So that was definitely the deciding factor. But I, I kind of used that um, to to help my guys guide them into the right decision. I would never make a decision for them, but um, I tell them I tell them the pros and cons when they ask me. I'm always there to pick up the phone when they ask me, and I kind of handle all the recruiting for my receivers. I talked to like like I was on the phone with Dale Alexander a couple weeks ago. That's the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame. He uh. He loves Antonio, but Antonio told him no. <laughs> he said he can't see himself at uh at Notre Dame at all. And then Vanderbilt called me last week, and Antonio told them no. So Antonio, Antonio, Antonio's a lot like me. He kind of wants to keep it simple. He doesn't really like all the attention. He's kind of ready to get it over with. So uh, it, it, it's pretty cool just seeing how each kid, like Jalen, Jalen Hyatt, he loved it. He was enjoying it. Well, Antonio hates it. And uh, – so it's just kind of funny to see how each kid reacts to it and how, how I can help them, you know. It's, it's a fun process, though. So, Jason, that's where I, I was going to go a little more big picture with South Carolina now. Obviously, um, you've stayed around town, and Antonio, obviously one of your pupils there at Dutch Fork, and guy you train that you referenced, getting recruited by South Carolina. Just in your interaction, since you are so involved in the process, you know, you had familiarity with Shane Beamer you know, dating back to his previous time at South Carolina. What have you thought of Shane Beamer's approach? Um, you know, Justin Stepp, Eric Henry, Dutch Fork alum there. You know, what have you thought of your interactions with those guys and how they're doing things on the recruiting trail? Oh, they're doing great. They're doing great. Uh, taking this small things like Beamer calling all the high school coaches in South Carolina and building a relationship with those guys, introducing himself, building relationships, um, recruiting is big on relationships. So the fact that Coach Beamer understands that's a big part of it is amazing. Um, step Step is great. Step me and Step talk like every day. I think I think he's great for the program. I think he was the perfect choice uh, to be a wide receiver coach at South Carolina. Very passionate about the position. He's excited, and he and he he would die for this opportunity. And you can tell, man. He's he's he's. He's locked in. He knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it, and uh, and uh, and and he's he's relentless. That's a great word for how he recruits, man. He's great. Uh, Kimry, he's same way. Uh, still learning, but he's he's learning fast. Uh, we all went out to eat at California Dreaming like a month ago. Me, Step, and uh, Kimry, and it was great. It was my first time uh meeting both of them face to face. It was great to be sitting at a table with two great college coaches. Just great coaches, period. Um, I think they're doing great. They're, 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 they they keep this energy up. I think the program's going to be back in good hands very soon, very soon. 
And, and you, uh, Jason, you talked about sort of y'all's culture there at Dutch Fork and what you're trying to build um, within your unit there. That's something Coach Beamer has talked about, you know, wanting to develop uh, a premier college football culture. Um, what do you think? I mean, you've seen this program at its absolute peak. Um, we, we've seen it, um, you know, the last couple of years, uh, sort of not, not be what any fan or former player wants to see on the field, you know. So what, what do you think is going to have to happen for these guys to sort of get that momentum back and, and start building it up again from, from your eyes as a, as a coach and former player? Right. Uh, recruiting. Recruiting is big in, in college, man. I think I think and I think they're doing great at it. I think the first uh, signee or commit that they got for the 22 class was a start and it was a great start. Um, I just think just just building that culture back is going to definitely start with the future. The future is now. I think I think just building that family, that family vibe back back around the program. I think that was lost in the last few years. I think uh, back when we were winning. It was because we were we were family. We were all brothers. Like you never seen us apart. It don't matter where we were at. We're going in the gas station. We all went together. We all had uh um we were just so close, man. And we went we partied together and we partied a lot. <laughs> we partied together, we won together and we lost together. We had leaders. We had freaking Trayvon Robinson, Terrence Campbell. Eric Norwood, guys like that, Mo Brown, Connor Shaw, Stephen Gilmore, you know what I'm saying, Garcia, guys like that, when you lose and you come together, you're like, hey, man, we got to figure this thing out. We had players only meeting. Like, if things weren't going right in the locker room, we had players only meetings. We kicked the coaches out. You know what I mean? It's going to come from the guys in the locker room. The coaches are are doing – they're they're up at 5 a.m. in the morning in the facility watching film. They're – they're doing their homework, you know what I mean? It's got to come from the kids in the locker room, the, the young men in the locker room to build that thing back up. They got to care. You want to recruit guys from winning winning programs. You can't. You don't want to just get guys from anywhere. I, I, I'm really big on, on, on bringing winners, guys who are disciplined, have great attitude toward the game. Attitude is everything. How do you attack the meeting room? You attack the meeting room the same way you attack the game on Saturday. If you – if you have acid in the meeting room, you're going to have half behind it in the weight room. It, it's all a trickle-down effect. And then it's a leader right beside you, and he don't say anything? Oh, that's a problem. That's a problem. It should be all on the coaches that have to. No, we didn't have any of that. We had guys like Melvin Ingram that of them put you back in the rack and make sure you get two more reps because you just did six and everybody else did eight. And he did nine. <laughs> so you get guys back in the building like that, which is going to come from recruiting the right guys, it, it, it's going to turn around fast. It, but that's that's big on culture. You got to get the right. You got you can't just you can't just offer a guy just because he because he has the intangible. It's because he's six four and he's four four. What, what what's his character like? Does, does he care about winning? Is winning a, a lot to him? And does he enjoy the process? Does he love football? I I, I remember asking Tonio that. When he was in ninth grade, I, I, I that's one of my favorite things to ask my guys. Just when they when they my I'm, I'm used to my receivers being on the field at three fifty five. Remember I told you earlier the practice starts at four oh five. My receivers are on the field stretching with their helmets on at three fifty five. And Antonio came out at at four one day as a ninth grader, a little baby. <laughs> and the first thing I said, like Antonio, do you love football? And he kind of looked at me a little funny. 
And he, and he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, if you love football, you'll be here. You'll be out here at 355 like Elijah Spencer. Elijah Spencer's going to go to school for free. And you've got a lot of talent to go to school for free, too. But if you ain't, if you don't love football, I can help you. I don't even want to be around guys that don't love football because I love it. I, 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 do, I do it for free. You know what I mean? So that's the type, that's the type of kids you're going to want in the program to, to turn it around. I think the coaching staff is great. I think I think I think we have everything in place now. Now we just got to get the right guys in the locker room that that want to do the little things. That want to they want to get together when they, during the downtime. That, that want to do things like DJ Swearinger and Gilmore would do after we just finish an hour and a half lift. You see, DJ Swearinger and 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 Gilmore and Akeem Augusti and CC Whitlock over there doing doing curls and just doing a whole arm workout for 30 minutes after we just, after coach Fitch just killed us. <laughs> so that's the type of, that's the type of guys you got to get and to start with, with recruiting in state and they're taking that seriously. They want to recruit in state, unlike the coaching staff prior. Um, that's, that's going to help recruiting guys. that care about Gamecocks, not quick to run to the transfer portal. Who's, who's ready to fight through the tough times because they've been a Gamecock fan their whole life. That's, that's, that's what's going to help. Jason, I know you got a, you're on your break and got to run. Don't want to keep you too much longer, but last one I had for you is just to hit on Antonio a little bit more. You've referenced him a couple of times, just from your perspective as his coach, you know, just what, what makes him such a good player and, Obviously, the production speaks for itself, but what what sort of separates him in your book? Just a quick scouting report. Uh, he's he's electric. You get the ball in his hand, and you need to get the camera out as soon as he touches it. It doesn't matter if you hand it to him in the backfield at running back, which we've never done, but I'm pretty sure we might have some of that in the future. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you hand it to him in the backfield or throw him a screen pass or throw him a, a ADR bomb. He's gonna he's gonna figure out a way to make a play. Um, he's confident. His confidence is going up. I remember when he came back to the temperator and broke his collarbone. He, uh, he, he, his confidence was a little shattered, just like anybody else. So, uh, it, it took him a little while, and we, and it, and he got his confidence back up in seven on seven last year with the Myrtle Beach last year with the uh, Charlotte, with the, with the Charlotte Kings, and uh, and he went crazy. And then the look in his eye changed a little bit as he was making all those plays. And then uh, we, we we prepared. We prepared during the summer, and he, and he looked great. And then I, the first game, I told him, I was like, man, it's time to put a show on now. Like, all that other stuff means nothing. When you get the ball in your hand, show the world what you can do. And um, that's what he did. He had a great support system, great mom, uh, great stepdad in Murphy Holloway that, that, that has his back and gets him anything he needs to, to be successful. And, uh, and he, has, he has a great coaching staff that, that believes in him and, all he needed now was to start believing in himself, and then as soon as he, as soon as that look in his eye changed, it, it was it's almost nothing anybody can do about it. I tell you a story about I'm in the championship just to wrap it up. We uh, we're playing, we're we're warming up at Benedict for TL Hannah this past championship in December, and uh, in the in the warmups, and TL Hannah's crowd is going crazy, <laughs> like they're. They're 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 so loud, like they're cheering and clapping, and we're just warmed up. And uh, Tony looked at me and he goes, uh, he said, "Coach, they just happy to be here." He said, "He said they just happy to be. Here. We expected to be here, and that's going to be the difference in this game." And uh, that just shows you how his confidence is 
through the roof right now. And he steps on seven on seven field and he catches almost every ball you throw to him. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It don't matter if it's one hand or two hands, Tony O's gonna make a play. So yeah, he, he's a great talent, fast, great hands, quick, good his route running is coming along. Uh his releases off the ball are coming along. But he's just he's just a natural born gimme ball and everybody else move out the way and I'll do the rest. Jason, man, we appreciate the time today, dude. I know you're busy, like I said. Good stuff as always. Appreciate the insight. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing, man. I know you got a lot of good stuff going. And again, as I told everybody listening, if you want to go check him out on Twitter, let me make sure I get it right at JL Barnes4. Uh, you can find the GoFundMe link for their seven on seven. I'm going to come check y'all out, man. I've, I've been to a couple practices, but I want to come to a couple games, man. So I'm going to come see y'all soon. Keep up the good work, man. And uh, don't be a stranger, okay? All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, appreciate right. you. Good stuff there. Former Gamecock Jason Barnes, local coach. Um, let's, Chris, There, there's a lot to digest there, a lot to process there. Um, I want to go into Antonio Williams, though, and, and one thing he said about Antonio Williams, um, we, we've seen the big offers come in lately and and by big offers you know he's had some big offers chris but i've i feel like we've seen this offer list become more of a national list in probably the last month or so michigan throws their hat into the ring notre dame throws their hat into the ring um georgia obviously still geographically fairly local but um it was sort of a a regional list that has expanded out into a more national list but you listen to, to Jason Barnes talk and, you know, he, he straight up said, you know, basically Notre Dame, not a factor. Um, it, it sounds like Antonio Williams um, wants to sort of take a very controlled, doesn't want the process to get out of hand like some kids, isn't necessarily enjoying, enjoying all the extra attention. And, um, I'll just say it, man. I I think when you look at the attention South Carolina has showed him and the interest South Carolina has showed him, nothing's ever a slam dunk in recruiting, but um, th- that probably does bode well for, for the Gamecocks in the long run, I think. I would agree. And, you know, I, I think with with Jason sort of drawing a parallel between how he handled his recruitment and, and a little bit about how Antonio's handling his and just the fact that he's – been pretty involved with it, helping and just communicating with coaches on his behalf and things like that. You know, that, that does point to more of a, like a narrow path to get to the end. And so South Carolina being a school that has prioritized him heavily, that is close to home, that, you know, has the right type of fit or an intriguing fit, at least for him, one that Jason Barnes himself, someone that Antonio is very close to, believes in. South Carolina, from all indications we have, has done a really good job, not only with Antonio, but with Jason, with his family, with people around Dutch Fork on their coaching staff, with Tom Knotts. So it really does seem to to bode well for them, like you said. And the other interesting thing he said was the fact that, you know, he feels like Antonio may may be about ready for it to be over. Now, that, that doesn't mean he's going to commit somewhere soon necessarily, but just that he's not the type of kid that's going to drag it out you know, until the second signing day next February. It doesn't really seem like that's the direction this one's going. Yeah, and um, like I said, I, I think talking to the kid a little bit, he's very low-key. I think he appreciates 
the, you know, the attention. He appreciates the offers, but I, I don't think he's he's getting caught up in it at all. And um, obviously is also very grounded by having someone like Jason Barnes around him who has been through this and being in, um, you know, a Dutch Fort program, Chris, that just uh, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to compare it to necessarily like the New England Patriots, but it, it kind of, to me, it is like a high school version um, as far as what what Jason was saying is they expect to win there. There's such an attention to detail there. Um, and, and, you know, their, their guys just go out and compete and they've, you know, they've had some highly recruited guys, but, it's not always the the FBS dudes for them that are out there making plays. They've had several kids that haven't necessarily been the FBS targets, but are just really, really good high school football players. So um, I also enjoyed from that interview taking a little bit away from, because I've always wondered what, what is the secret sauce for Tom Knotts? Because everywhere this guy goes, he wins. And Obviously, I, I think the attention to detail, um, the the perfectionist part of this is probably a, a huge part of the success there at Dutch Fort. It is. And and as Jason was talking, there, there are several different sort of anecdotes that came to my mind about Dutch Fork and just how good they've been. You're right, Wes. I mean, you look at, you know, Dutch Fork's defense, for example, has been also a big part. Everybody talks about the offense defense. I mean, they, they've done a great job as well. Um, with with their defensive coordinator getting a head job this offseason. And, um, you know, they've – I could be, you know, not remembering correctly or missing a few guys, but they haven't had a ton of – it's not like they've had power five signees just stacked up on defense. They haven't. You know, that more of their prospects have gone on the offensive side of the ball, but they've done a great job in all facets. But I think the the attention to detail, obviously the confidence level that they have is huge. They, They always seem to answer the call. And I think re- recruiting kids out of a program like that can certainly be a positive for you. If you take the best players from the best high school teams, you know, a lot of times that's going to give you um, some really good college players as well. And, you know, he mentioned the uh, the, the pregame against Han. I remember, uh, I guess, a couple years ago, that game we watched, Wes, against Dorman, a really exciting game there at the end. Uh, pre-game, Dorman, when, when Dutch Fork was walking to the tunnel to go back into the locker room before they ran back out for the actual game, after warm-ups, you know, Dorman is just giving all sorts of stuff to Dutch Fork's team and coaching staff, and, and Notch just looked at him and smiled and held his ring fingers up. And it, it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I remember even in that game, Dorman had him on the ropes a little bit. I think Dutch Fork had maybe a, a fourth and four fourth and five that they had to convert or else Dorman was going to take over given the time and probably run out the clock and Knott's called some running play. I think just some off tackle or counter play and, and they got it and they, they ended up there in a the game winning touchdown pass and winning. So, but yeah, I mean, it, great. They do a great job um, with, with their coaching staff. They put together a really good coaching staff and Barnes is obviously part of that. Yeah, no doubt, man. So uh, it will be fun to watch. Those guys continue to uh, progress, to watch uh, Jason's career progress, and obviously watch uh, Antonio Williams' career progress. We'll see what school he picks. Uh, let us keep it with some recruiting and go out to another quarterback offer for South Carolina, Chris, and 
This came down, I believe, Monday evening. Uh, so we, we haven't had a show since South Carolina offered Fort Mill, South Carolina, Nation Forward High School quarterback Carson Black. Uh, Carson, a class of 2023 prospect, which still makes me feel so old to, to even say, even though there are now offers out to the 2024 prospects. Um, I've had some 2025 prospects follow me on Twitter, which um, I don't even want to think about, man. But new offer goes out. I, you know, I, I think this was – I don't want to say this was inevitable, but but I thought it was coming when Virginia Tech offered last week. South Carolina started following Carson Black on Twitter, sort of uh, had, had some initial conversations. The offer comes in from the Gamecocks this week. Um, I saw Louisville has since offered – and I, I've already talked to one of their coaches. I'm going to have an article at some point this week. I'm supposed to follow up with their head coach as well. Um, but this is a kid who more than likely, if I would say, Chris, if, if not for COVID and not for things slowing down, probably would have seen the recruiting process take off a little bit sooner, I, I think it's safe to say. But now it's starting to take off. The word is out. And um, they're <laughs> – there's a lot to like about this kid. Hey, hey, look at that. So, yeah, Carson Black, I mean, th- this kid, he's been sort of quietly a little bit on the radar. And like you said, probably one reason he's not more of a you know household name, at least regionally, is, is because of COVID and that shortened season. I think he played, what, five games last year, Wes, is what just popped up on the screen and, you know, had, had 1,700 yards and a, and a bunch of touchdowns in, in the 20s in terms of touchdowns. So, did a really good job, has really good size. The people around Nation Ford, as you can attest to, you know, think very highly of him. And uh, so the, the other day, Monday night, Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, you know, got to work on extending the offer. And I had a brief conversation with, with Carson Black about it actually via text and just trading some texts back and forth with him. And, you know, he's a pretty even keel guy in terms of even his comments. You know, he doesn't give away a ton of his thoughts. I think that's just sort of his personality, but he, he was excited about the offer and how South Carolina has prioritized him early and seemed to be impressed in, in the early, you know, going with his relationship with the staff, just really seemed to like what those guys are about. So like you said, <laughs> a lot to like looking at the film, you know, he's a big kid um, who does a really good job operating the offense, can throw on the run, can stand in the pocket and make the throws too. And, you know, Chris, not a not a guy. You know, he's an in-state kid now. Um, initially, from the state of North Carolina, I believe. So, not your traditional in-state guy in that he's been here, but is from I think right across the border um, in that sort of greater Charlotte area, York County area up there. So, um, is that Nation Ford now? A lot of these clips you actually see him playing against Gaffney, but um, ha- has some ability. Obviously, I, I think you're talking about someone that the process is, is about to to sort of blow up for. And and like you said, I, I think an even kill kid and has a a quarterback mindset, I, I believe. And you look at you look at this tape and, and I think someone that can can put the ball in some tight areas as well. And I, I'll be curious to see this is someone that I'm hopeful the camps will be opened up again. Um you know, that maybe maybe we get a rivals camp here locally. Maybe, um, you know, schools are able to have camps again because he's one I'm looking forward to maybe seeing in person. And, you know, 
you don't really get a feel, I believe, with quarterbacks until you've actually watched them up close in person. And, and he's one I, I think we'll be curious to go see. Yeah, no doubt. And and that was the other point I was going to hit on, Wes, which you brought up about him not being a, a true, quote-unquote, South Carolina native. Um, you know, this is a guy that transferred to Nation Ford from Sun Valley, which is where, uh, you know, Sam Howell went, North Carolina quarterback. Um, so from that area, North Carolina transferred to Nation Ford. So, you know, when I asked him in our conversation the other day about South Carolina, what he knew, the answer was not not a whole lot, even though he plays quarterback in this state last year. You know, he didn't grow up going to South Carolina games or anything like that. So from that standpoint, still a good bit to learn. So uh, like you said, as things open up at some point on the recruiting front, whether it's camps or, or some type of actual visits, unofficial or official visits, then I think we'll know more about the, the course and the direction of this recruiting. Yeah, definitely someone to, to keep an eye on and, and someone South Carolina will look to, you know, get down, get on campus and, and sort of start to fill in those blanks that he may, you know, that he currently has about what the program is all about and where things are. But I, I think the good thing for South Carolina here, Chris, is that with a kid in his class and the sort of spot his recruitment, like I said, first big offer was last week. They're not really playing catch up, even though he is not a traditional in-state guy. And he's going to have to learn about the program. You know, we talked about it even with 2022. It sounds crazy because Generally, you know, we're used to a February signing day. That thing's gotten pushed up so far with the early signing period. Carolina, as far as the the progress of a lot of quarterbacks in the recruiting process, you're starting out behind with the class of 2022 guys. But I think for 2023, which is what Carson Black is, you're really not – you're sort of right on schedule, I think, with where things are. So plenty of time for them to make a move there and see and – and, and kind of intriguing, man, you have two guys up there in the same area, um, Carson Black, class of 2023, Jaden Davis, class of 2024, um, both guys that have South Carolina offers, both guys that are going to continue to gather offers, and, and and it will be intriguing to sort of see how, how those kids' uh, recruiting processes maybe compare um, as their high school careers actually play out. And, and, you know, Wes, as you were talking about that, it, it sort of jogged my memory that there's, you know, another in-state quarterback that I'm, I'm wondering if South Carolina is going to engage with at some point. That's Grayson Loftus from the upstate, you know, carry, carries an, a very early Georgia offer. Apparently Georgia likes to offer some quarterbacks very early. Remember Jaden Davis, who you talked about earlier when he was an eighth grader in Charlotte, saw him in camp, uh, I guess going into his freshman year, he already carried a Georgia offer and Alabama. Uh, Georgia had offered Grayson Loftus quite a while ago, I think when he was a freshman in high school, and is someone that I've heard some good things about. So it, definitely this staff going to scour the state. Jason Barnes made mention of it earlier that, you know, they're really going to prioritize in-state guys. Um, and and there are some good ones in, in 2022. The staff that walked in now working on some guys that maybe they, you know, were already down the road of a commitment to somewhere else or already committed to somewhere else. And so trying to, you know, just just reset the board there. But in the 22 and 23 class, I think there's going to be several guys in the state to continue tracking. Chris, uh, let's hit on one more thing before we get out of here for the day. South Carolina announcing a partnership um, that I think probably this is one of those things that I would say is going to be maybe overlooked by some fans. Maybe you you don't really care to know what it is, or, or maybe you say, well, 
what is that? What does that even mean? But actually, and we're going to tell you why here in a second, I think a very big deal for South Carolina that a partnership announced Wednesday morning. And Chris, you're going to have to help me. Is it is it Altius or Altius? Do you know the cor- correct pronunciation? I couldn't tell you the correct one. It can be either one that you make it, less. Okay. I think it's Altius, but I've heard both. Oh, you were going Altius. Yeah, we'll go. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with your gut feeling. Altius Sports um, Partners, ASP. We can call them ASP from now on. So ASP, which is a name, image, and likeness advert, <laughs> advisory and education firm. See, all these companies have to just throw all these different words in here and just vomit out words. But I'll tell you what it really means for South Carolina. And that is that. Name, image, and likeness is going to be an absolute mess for every single school, which is all of them, that is going to have to manage this from now on. So what South Carolina has done and what other schools are doing is partner up with a business, with a company who can focus more just on that and just on everything it needs and make sure that you are putting yourself in a position as, as a business, as a school, as a program, to handle everything that goes along with that. So um, management of NL, NIL rule changes, maximization of new opportunities for South Carolina student-athletes, and helping the Gamecocks create unique platforms for its student-athletes to learn about and capitalize on new NIL rules. So um, may just sound like a bunch of, you know, talk if you just read this release, but in reality, fast forward some months from now, when these new rules uh, will apparently more than likely go into effect, this is a big deal for South Carolina trying to stay on the forefront of this and not staying a step behind, which I know that's something Gamecock fans have complained about for years, that South Carolina is not sort of um, proactive in, in things. This is a proactive move for South Carolina, and this is an important move for South Carolina. Yeah, and I think from what we've gathered just early, Wes, I mean, there's probably going to be some more things on the NIL front, you know, from South Carolina, because this is a thing that that was sort of easy to predict with the name, image, likeness stuff. A lot of people are going to try to get in on it. There's there's already a few different firms and advisory boards and, and places like that that have popped up that are going to be selling their services. We've seen companies like Open Doors, you know, with the social media aspect, we've seen Jeremy Darlow, who used to work for uh, apparel, a shoe company. Can't remember if it's Nike or Adidas. Um, he used to work for that has a lot of these branding tools that he's already sold as partnerships um, to to schools. And so, this has now become another like layer of this arms race for recruiting. NIL is going to be a lot about recruiting for schools because in recruiting, they're going to have to address the very important now question of what do you guys have in place? What are you, what are you going to be able to do to help build my brand? It's not just education development. Now there's this whole aspect of NIL stuff um, or NLI. And so, you know, we, we had this situation where it sort of shifted from thing to thing. It was a, a facilities arms race who can build the, the biggest and best facilities. That's still there. Uh, then it was who can do the most cool stuff on social media, video, graphics, all that kind of stuff. That's still there. This is the next sort of frontier. And so we saw with Altius, 
a lot of big names are involved. Urban Meyer, uh, Oliver Luck, Jessica Mendoza, Casey Schwab, who started it. A lot of big names from different aspects of media and sports media and sports management. Um, And we've seen Texas and LSU jump in. Now South Carolina jumps in. And so it was a proactive move, a good move, like you said. And I think that the schools that do the best job of presenting their unique plans, um, whether it's using Altius or some of their own tools, are going to be better positioned in in the recruiting game to, to take advantage of this kind of stuff and use it as a selling point. Well, and, and Chris, I you have to fully admit, yes, major FBS college football coaches are paid extremely well to deal with and manage all this stuff. And even, you know, assistants. So court, there are coordinators that are making um, a mill, some of them now over $2 million a year. So, yes, very, very well compensated. But the number of things that a modern-day coach at the collegiate level at the major collegiate level has to sort of monitor and has to uh, be an expert on and has to manage the list grows every single year and you know whoever can manage these things obviously the best is going to have a leg up but like you said man good grief it's always something and now you have the explosion of the transfer portal um, plus all this stuff, um, you know, people being able to, to more than likely transfer uh, w- without penalty. Um, you know, Shane Beamer has talked publicly about how maybe the the, the part of the job that was most, um, I don't know the best way to say it, maybe the biggest adjustment was that you have to be an accountant to be a head football coach too when you're putting together your your assistant coaching staff. Um, so the, the list of things you have to manage as a – head football coach in 2021 is an impossible list for me to even sit here and make right now off the top of my head on the show. But I think if you're South Carolina, if you're other programs having these partnerships, it takes a little bit off your, your head coach, a little bit off your in-house marketing department um, and puts it on somebody who's maybe going to spend all day trying to maximize you know, these types of, of opportunities. So um, the, the game, man, I'm telling you, the game and the periphery of the game, all the stuff around the game, the outside part of the game changes every single year. And I don't I don't know that the end is in sight as far as changes. I, I'm very curious to see how this affects the game and how big of a deal name image likeness actually ends up being what percentage of kids are actually able to um, find ways to profit on, on their names and, and what this means for the greater outlook of college football moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the question everyone has is, is what exactly will it look like at the end of the day? Now it, it'll evolve over time. I mean, we're going to have a baseline here. Here's what it is to start with and it's going to evolve over time in some form or fashion. Um, and, and so will we have things like group licensing for, for video games, for instance, I mean, we don't know if you if you start going down that road, then the the amateurization of of college football fades away more and more. You know, uh, but the the point of it is, and this is the reason why it's changed the game so much is whatever the reality is of how many kids and their families can cash in while they're a college athlete. Whatever that reality is, it, it's trumped by 
the amount of people who think that they are going to. And um, and hopefully for these kids, they can they can all find a way in some form or fashion. Some of it may be much more small. Some of it may come through group licensing. I just mean when most kids aren't going to have big endorsement deals. There are a lot of NFL players that don't get any endorsement money or barely any, right? Um, aside from group licensing type stuff when you go into the NFLPA. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. But but it is something that everybody is sitting around wondering uh, about. And so that is why it's, it's such a big recruiting tool. And, and with so many things that have to be managed, that's the reason you're seeing some of these firms like Altius uh, pop up and and offer services that are maybe going to make it a little bit more easy on these colleges to manage from a legal standpoint and from a from a sales honestly standpoint of how they're going to execute it. Yeah, no doubt, man. So we'll we'll certainly be tracking that, we'll certainly be following that, and uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Um, Chris, you got any closing thoughts, or you good to go, man? Good to go, man. My, I do have one closing thought. Happy birthday to you! Thanks oh, thank you, thank you. Hopefully you're going to have yourself a party after this. Yeah, everybody's invited. Um, shout out to Scott on Facebook for wishing me a happy birthday on the show as well. Appreciate that. Um, I feel so old, man. I'm officially 35 today. Um, yeah, I'm going to stay with 35, though. I don't think I'm going to – I'm going to stop counting at this age. Seems like a good place to stop counting. So, um, yeah, appreciate everybody joining us. Appreciate the um, folks here on the chat. Appreciate everybody listening on the podcast as well, Fred. Uh, appreciate you, sir. And uh, please be sure to, to hit the like button on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, and subscribe on podcasts, and hit the five-star review button on the podcast as well. And uh, appreciate uh, Nectarios and T. Thompson for the birthday wishes as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, again, for all the support on the show. For Chris, I'm Wes, and we'll see you on Friday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.